Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. And welcome God's servant for this house. Tonight, God's anointed servant, Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your grace, for your mercy, for your loving kindness, for your heart that has more room in it for more of us. Bless us. Bless our message. Let it be the words of God. Let it bring us strength and hope and revive us, Lord. May everything that is dead in us come alive, Lord. Because we are trusting and pressing into the powers of the age to come. Amen. Wonderful. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. When God called us, he called us into a relationship that is a progressive relationship. And Apostle Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Hallelujah. Well, nobody wants their newborn to forever remain newborn. Hallelujah. So elsewhere, Paul was writing, he said, you know, he says that his hearers were in need of milk instead of meat. So Peter was talking about feeding them with milk. Paul is saying you still want milk because there has to be a progression. Hallelujah. And our calling as believers opens opportunities for us. And we have been brought into an arena that is so vast and so broad that we can't even finish consuming it. Hallelujah. And, and so I want us to see the things that we are saying as probably tidbits of what God has for us. And I strongly believe that it will take all of eternity to fully grasp what God meant for in the new creation. Amen. And for me, it makes for a non-boring life because on earth, every good thing that you are enjoying, it comes to an end. Amen. In fact, sometimes it comes to an end uh, in an unannounced way. Before you know it, it's over. Hallelujah. Everything that is nice on earth ends. You, I mean, 
if you're watching a movie, a nice movie, before, in fact, the saddest thing is watching a nice movie that things are not going well, but you keep watching because you hope that things will turn around. But then before you know it, the movie is over and it's like a stupidest movie ever. Amen. In fact, this week I was packing some uh, DVDs in the house and I was sorting them out, right? There are some DVDs that um, the children have sworn that we should never, ever, ever watch again. And so as I was packing, I was sorting the ones that we are going to watch again go here and the one we are never going to watch again goes here. And some of them, when I look at it, I felt like crashing it because it's like you, you, you get to the end and it's like a life has left you. Amen. Amen. And so um, every good thing we enjoy on earth is supposed to be a glimpse into the eternal realm where the enjoyment shall be forever. Amen. And so what we are reading about in the powers of the age to come, it is like an invitation into the life that God has for us when he called us into the new creation. Now, we will not get 100% into it because we will have all of eternity to enjoy it. Amen. In fact, it is said that the um, living creatures who dwell in the presence of God, who are according to the scriptures are saying holy 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 lord god almighty um you know the earth is full of your glory and it says that one turns to another and say holy 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 people have commented on that that one is a holy 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 between the first holy and the second holy it's like they are seeing a part of god that they have not seen before even though they have been with him in all eternity they are always discovering it's like an aspect of God, a face of God that has just shown up. And, and so, and so uh, it's, it's like with, with nothing to say, they just keep saying holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah. And so what that means is that the depths and vastness of God and his resources and benefits are going to be it will take all of eternity to enjoy it. Hallelujah. But that does not mean that we cannot have glimpses of it here and now. And so the message on, on testing of the powers of the age to come is like God is saying, I'm looking for a select group of people, amen, to share these things with. Recently, there has been a, a, a what do you call it, a commercial on, um, on, on radio. And I forget who the person is, but evidently there are some, um, you know, well-known people who appear on Home and Garden TV and other home improvement shows. At least that's what they are claiming they, they, they are. And they are saying that we are coming to the Columbus region to train some people to know to, uh, in, how to what, flip houses. Have you, have you been hearing it? Yeah. yeah. On the radio, yeah. It says that, and it, that teach them our system of flipping. And it said that we are looking for a few motivated people. Is that not so? It's like, it's like a few people who, who want to learn our system. And they say Columbus is the best market, a good market for our system. So I don't know, I've not attended, but, 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 but what they are saying is like, we have something great to offer. It's probably not for the whole world, but a few motivated people who would attend our seminar, pay some money, and then you can, he said that, he said making money using other people's money. <laughs> is that what it says? <laughs> Amen. 
And so God is out to invite the world to participate in another reality that the rest of the world are ignoring. Amen. And so, Brother Ishmael, the question that you asked the other day, the real answer as to what to do with that first Timothy 4, 15 scripture is that we have to keep pondering over these things we are hearing. We have to keep thinking about it. We have to keep imagining it. Hallelujah. Because um, children that in class, when you are teaching, sometimes some children cannot um, concentrate and they seem to be imagining like they're dreaming a lot. Do you get it? And, and, and there's a man of God who said he used to do that a lot when he was a child. He said teachers never liked him. And he brought it into adulthood. And he said that one day, he and a group of other, maybe not a group like, about two or three other friends, invited a certain prophet to be with them. And they went out to eat. And as they were eating, he said his daydreaming things started. He started imagining. And then um, the... I think at a point, he got a chance to a one-on-one with the prophet who was visiting. And the prophet said, you daydream a lot, don't you? <laughs> he said, how did you know? He said, he said, and teachers never liked you because your mind will be wondering. He said, don't think it's a bad thing. It's actually a sign that God is showing you other worlds and other things you are to get into. Because you see, when you talk about pondering over the word of God, okay, a lot of it is going to come in daydreaming. In fact, that is the arena that vision starts. Before you see a vision out there, Jesus or an angel standing there, you have to first imagine it in your mind. Okay? Not that you are making it up. Like, your faith in your heart makes you wonder, what if, as I'm praying, what if an angel is here? Do you get it? And, and because the things you imagine are, these are your dreams. Your dreams are actually are in your imagination first before they become reality. Do you get it? And so what I'm saying is that now instead of imagining all the bad things that can happen, imagining all the things we worry about, what if this happens? Why don't we imagine the world, the powers of the age to come and the promises that God is greeting his word? That, that is that a world where all fear has been taken away from us. Is there a world where all sorrow has been taken away? And that is the world to come. But now God is saying this thing is a possibility for those who will believe. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And so, and so we are, your faith is being stretched into the possibilities of God. We are not talking about the possibilities of man. We are not talking about the, the possibilities of the circumstances. We are talking about the possibilities of God. And so God is looking for people to partner with him. To share his vision with that look you can actually strive for you can actually believe god for that the powers of the age to come when the new heaven and the new earth has arrived that we can begin to want taste of it before it arrives that we one there's sadness one there's sorrow somewhere that as you ponder over it and daydream and imagine it begins to draw that aura to you near you you are drawn into god's world i don't know whether maybe Many of you may find this childish, but this um, C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, the first one they made, the first movie they made, the, um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Do you see? So this is the Second World War time. And um, a, f- a, a family, because to dodge the war, the dangers of the war in the city, 
four children were sent to go and live with a, a relative in the countryside. Amen. And whilst they were there, I won't go into um, too much, but I want to give an account because me, I see everything that is happening as a parable. Amen. Whether it's a movie, because my whole life is about the word of God and how to bring the kingdom and, 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 and explain Christ. Keep in mind that Christ is at the center. Everything now that is happening, you must use it to explain Christ. The relevance of your pain and the relevance of your misery and the relevance of your difficulties is to explain that Christ has brought us hope. That you can come out of this. Hallelujah. Because he also suffered. And so, and so, and so the way I interpret life and uh, interpret phenomena is that I, Christ is at the center and I see how much is deviating from Christ or is close to Christ. Amen. So when I, when I watch a movie, of course I enjoy the movie, but I'm always reading into it, <laughs> into the gospel. Amen. Amen. And, so, and so one day, the children in the night were playing hide and seek and one of the children happened to, uh, what do you call it? Um, yeah, it, trying to hide. She went into a wardrobe. Okay. She went into a wardrobe. And once she went into the wardrobe, a wardrobe that is made of wood, that is sealed completely. As she was in the... And then the, 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 the siblings were coming. They were coming. She heard them coming. And, and as they were coming, said, of course, you are in the wardrobe. You can, you, there's nowhere else to run to. Do you get it? And so, I mean, if the person opens the wardrobe, I mean, it's over. I mean, you've been found. The whole idea is to hide so that no one can find, find you. So when the person was coming, she began to move back like this, right? In the wardrobe, there were a lot of uh, clothes in it. So, so she began to move back like this. And, and, and when you keep moving back in the wardrobe, what are you going to find? You're going to hit the, the back. But surprisingly, she felt, she kept going and she felt, uh, what do you call, cold behind her. And then she felt uh, leaves breaking her back. And next thing you know, she has fallen off into another world. Amen. She has fallen off. Uh, uh, that was the world of Narnia. If I don't stop, I'll keep going. But, 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 but the, reality is that, the reality is that that world was always there, right? And only a child of what? Innocent heart, simple-minded, can find that world. Amen. Now, of course, when she goes to that world, she meets, she meets Mr. Tomnas, who is a half goat, a half man. Okay? And I'll tell you the history behind that. And then, and then Mr. Tomnas, who Mr. Tomnas has been, has been um, commissioned by the queen of that land. Okay? The queen of that land is an evil queen who has taken over that land. And the witch. And so, so Mr. Tomnas has been strategically positioned. His house is near the entrance, the borderline between Earth and Narnia. So that there's a prophecy, by the way, there's a prophecy that four um, human beings were supposed to come and bring redemption to Narnia. And Mr. Thomas was to help the evil queen to stop that from happening. And so this young girl meets Mr. Thomas and brings her to uh, you know, his room there. The idea was to kill her. But then she started crying, you know, he changed her, his mind. So the girl finds her way back home. And when she comes home and she tells the siblings that, oh, I, I, I'm alive, I'm safe, I'm alive. They say, what are you talking about? He said, oh, Mr. Thomas is not going to turn me into the world witch. And they say, what are you talking about? Then she tells them about the wardrobe and how she went through. The siblings also followed her. They go in there, they knock and it's all wood. Amen. It's like you can't go through it. 
are you there? How is it that she was able to go there and come back, but the others couldn't? So that that, that, that world exists, but it's open to people of a certain heart. Amen. So that's what we are saying. We are talking about how the, 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 now let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Because it will take us all of eternity, but if you make up your mind that I would like to see look at Bishop Dag, a, a scientist, a trained, logical person. Hallelujah. Who's, who, who was not, if you are raised in the, your, your ancestors are fetish priest or uh, what do you call it? Uh, Miss Clue. What's Miss Clue? Do you remember? Psychic. <laughs> she was on TV a long time ago. I wonder what happened to her. <laughs> her tricks. She lost the business. So the TV people kicked her out. Okay. <laughs> Call me. Okay. Call me. That's how she used to talk. She has a Jamaican accent like that. <laughs> Amen. So, so um, look at it. Therefore, Leaving the principles of the doctrine. Okay, let's start from verse 4. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Hallelujah. Okay, so, so this is what we've been talking about. And last week, we started giving a list of things that will be accomplished by the powers of the age to come. The curse brought some things. The curse brought sorrow. The curse brought what? What else? Tears. So, so we learned three things. What the powers of the world to come will accomplish. The powers of the world to come will wipe away all tears. Let's move now to Revelation 21 and verse 4. Then the powers of the world to come will wipe out all sorrow. Hallelujah. The powers of the world to come will wipe out all crying. So, so when we enter into the powers of the, of the world to come, it means that we begin to carry that power. Hallelujah. So not only are we not going to let tears and sorrow and what? Crying overwhelm us and take over our life. We rather become carriers of the atmosphere of heaven. So when you go to a place where people are crying, your very presence and your words bring hope to people. Hallelujah. So because in the day to come, the Bible says that they shall change their source into plows. Plow, um, I mean, the, the, the things that they used to fight, they, they would rather use to make peace. Amen. And so, 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 you not only are you safe from crying, from tears, and from what's the third one? Sorrow. You become a source of overcoming that in the lives of others. Because God always starts with you and then makes you the launching pad for bringing his kingdom into the earth. When Jesus, when the people asked Jesus, help teach us to pray, they said that our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What kingdom is he talking about? It's the kingdom of the world to come. When Christ comes and the enemy is vanquished forever. But until he comes, he's looking for a few motivated people in Columbus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> who we will teach how to flip, <laughs> how to flip the devil's kingdom. Amen. These are the people Christ is looking for. And so, and so now the, the question that arises, hey, but we've been talking about this forever, but how come this thing, you know, the, 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 this sorrow and death thing is still around? A, it's because not enough people believe it. And B, the people that believe it, there is also a force fighting so strongly 
to make us not enter into it. Because you see, if you are the devil and you know that, you know that in the end, when Christ comes for his second coming, that is the end of the devil's kingdom. Hallelujah. And the Bible said the devil knows that his time is what? Short. And so therefore, the devil wants to prolong, he wants to prolong the time that as much as possible, he wants to prolong the time that Christ will come and all his activities will cease. And so until Christ comes, he wants everything to remain what they call the status quo. Devil, the devil's interest is that every day you'll be sad. You, you, you'll be crying. You'll be sorrowful after one thing after another. And, and, and so when a group of people begin to discover that the powers of the age to come after testing the good of the the good word of the Lord, after testing of the heavenly gift, after testing of the partaking of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said the kingdom of God is what? Not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So with the Holy Ghost in you, sorrow ought not to be part of our daily experience. When the devil discovered that a group of people are pressing into to enter into what that powers of the age to come, he begins to put obstructions in your way. He begins to put frustrations your way. He begins to put obstacles your way. You will have a great time in the presence of God. You've gone for a retreat. Do you get it? You've gone for a retreat faster than prayed and you are so happy. You feel the angels are following you. You enter your house and your wife will face you. With a quarrel. Amen. <laughs> Where do you think that is coming from? You, I mean, there's something about a woman. Why you married her? She must be an attractive, nice person. That's why you married her. Why is she behaving that way? It's the devil. I mean, don't, don't joke about it. No, 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 no. Don't think it's, it's from the air. The devil wants to slow you. He wants to take away. Then uh, uh, All of a sudden, uh, do, you realize, do you realize also that when you fast, you become more short-tempered. After fasting, especially before you break it. <laughs> do you get it? It's like you can easily get angry. And if you don't take care, after fasting for a while, that, that you get angry and do something, and the devil say, Well, look, you are not even a, a proper Christian. So the devil's goal is to bring discouragement to make you feel that you are a failure. He'll make you feel that you can't. So so then he will tell you what, what about the powers of the age to come? You look at your own life, you can't even govern your own self. That is why in Lighthouse Chapel, UD, we have something called PPQ. Have you heard of PPQ? But are Eugene? PPQ. Okay, now I learned it because you are not preaching. PPQ is an acronym. You know how we use acronyms all the time in Lighthouse? PPQ is Pray, Preaching, Quarrel. Pray, Preaching, Quarrel. It's a common thing that was discovered by our senior pastors that look, on Sunday morning, everything she says, say, mm. everything say, okay. Because the slightest thing that devil will use is to be a pretext for a quarrel. So that when you come, you are coming to preach, you, you have lost your confidence because you've said certain things you, you are not proud about. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So you see, let's not forget that we have an adversary who is fighting the agenda of God. So in order for you to have perpetual joy, okay, you have to die to self. And you have to, you have to, be, you have to remember that the devil is also around. And so, so, so there is these two things pulling us. Amen. God wants to bring us into this atmosphere where the powers of the age to come, but we are being slowed now. But you see, we are learning about his trick. The Bible says we are not what, ignorant about his devices. So once we know about his devices, next time is, is, uh, you, you come, you open a door, and then somebody meets you with a certain face. Then you say, hello, how was your day? Or you go like, then the person begins to laugh. Amen. 
And I'm not saying that all problems in the world are caused by wives. I'm saying that as an example, amen, it can also be the other way around. You are trying to pray as a woman, you are trying to fast, and your husband comes and says, where's my food? Listen, you can't just be spiritual around here when we are, <laughs> when we are hungry. It's like, it's, like, it's, like the, it's like the man who was uh, trying to shave his teenage daughter, okay? I mean, trying to do her hair or something, and, and um, what do you call it? And, and, and uh, by mistake, cut through her hair. And then, and then he said, you know, with less hair, because, because the man is not turning spiritual, with less hair, you, you can spend more time in the Word. That's not going to be comforting to the lady at all. <laughs> Amen. It's not going to be comfortable, comforting at all. All right. So now, I, I, I kind of went out of order because I grouped sorrow and crying and tears together. But another one, the powers of the age to come will wipe out all pain. Hallelujah. It says, neither shall there be any more pain. Pain, pain is part of the results of the fall. Hallelujah. And as a matter of fact, pain often is also related to disease. Is that not so? Because there's a pain that can come if you fall down, you hurt yourself. But like, diseases are often related to pain. And so, so, so if you look at it, pain and disease and then death, they all come in the same trail. Is that not so? So, so one of the things that is the lasting legacy of the fall is death. But pain is like an intermediate state before you die. When people are in pain, perpetually, often it's because of a deep-seated disease. Hallelujah. And we are saying that the scripture is giving us a promise that Christ and his coming and the powers of the age to come is saving us from pain. Amen. And so what it means is that if in future, in Revelation 21, there will be a time where pain shall be no more, let us believe God today that the powers of the age to come will make us overcome pain. And so that we, we are not supposed to accept it that, okay, now I'm at this age. So I'm expected to have a, what you call arthritis. That type of thinking is the natural flow of things. Because even we learned it uh, what, in economics that, that uh, um, as, what do you call, you keep adding more of a variable factor to a fixed factor, a fixed factor. Then what happens? Diminishing returns. The returns begin to reduce. So that, so that if the same human being is continuing to exert themselves after a while, you are expected to what? Feel pain. You are expected to feel tired. You are expected to have what? Uh, arthritis. All those things are the natural progression because if the fall did not happen, Adam and Eve were not supposed to have pain. Adam and Eve were supposed to live and live and live and live and never die. Hallelujah. And so that now God is changing the way we think that certain things that have become uh, accepted as the norm if God is training us to think in a different way, we should now not accept pain as a normal thing. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, and so, uh, next time you are in pain, never accepted that, uh, well, last week I lifted some things at the back of the house. So this pain is justified. I mean, can we believe that, Lord, I am hurting on my back. Lord, he heal me. Because, are, are you there? Because unless we apply the powers of the redemption that Christ brought, there will always be an explanation as to why a pain exists. Hallelujah. And in fact, if pain often is related to disease, sometimes, the, the, I mean, the ultimate lasting impact of a disease is to kill you. 
I mean, not you, somebody. Amen. I mean, a, a disease, the, the, the ultimate effect that the disease will end up doing or seeks to do is to kill. Hallelujah. And you will notice that in that verse, in that verse, it said that there shall be no more death. Hallelujah. That's also a promise that the past of the age to come, when Christ comes, there shall be no more death. Let's look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. And I'll tell you a story about Indiana Jones. Amen. First Corinthians 15. And we start from verse number 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And become the first fruits of them that slept. I need you to understand that Christ came as the antithesis to the Adamic race. He came as the opposite of the general trend where everybody was going. Amen. And so, and so that is why often what he was saying, sometimes he has to explain, is that I didn't come to cancel the law. I came to fulfill it. Because the law required you to die if you don't obey it. So he had to die to fulfill the law. And then because he's outside the law and he's over and above time, he, after fulfilling the law, then he introduces a new life that the law cannot give. The resurrected life. Hallelujah. And to prove to us that death must happen. But after death has fulfilled its course, it's like a bullet that somebody has and they have finished shooting and there's no more bullet in the gun. After death has had all it desires or all it deserves, now therefore when you have the gun, it's useless because there's no more bullet in it. So death fulfilled its full strength in Christ dying. And when Christ rose from the dead, he said that I have overcome what? Death. Amen. So look at it. He became the first fruit of them that slept. The first fruit. So the first fruit is like the first part. When you harvest your crops back in the Old Testament, the first harvest, they brought it, brought it to God. And Christ rising from the dead was the first fruit of them that slept. Why is he called the first fruit, even though people had resurrected in the past? Everyone that resurrected in the past, they were died again. Amen. Like Lazarus, for instance, it is said that he, he you, know, you know, Jesus raised him from the dead. And if you look at, like at the Gospel of John, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That increased the hatred for Jesus. Because the last enemy, maybe I should let us read to the end, to verse 26. Keep going. For since by man came death. Look at it. By man came death. By which man? Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. This is a passage speaking about the power of God over the dead. The power of, of God over death. Hallelujah. Which is going to happen in the last days. In the second coming of Christ, when death shall no more have power over man. But Christ experienced it, practiced it, and he himself rose from the dead as a new paradigm or a new uh, phenomenon that has entered the human race that was not there before, that death no more shall have the last say. Amen. Next verse. For us in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now pause there. So you notice that this 1 Corinthians 15 is speaking about the future resurrection. The future resurrection of all who are in Christ are going to what? Be made alive. They are, those who have died, somebody said that on the day of the resurrection, the coming of Christ, they will have to be by a cemetery because you will have to witness the, the, the dead rising. But the scripture said that it is going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. 
and we ourselves shall be changed. So you wouldn't even have time to see people res- resurrecting. You yourself will be changed. Hallelujah. So see, that is the future glorious resurrection. But now, in the context of testing of the powers of the age to come, we now have an invitation to be drawn into the life of God so that we become carriers of resurrection power. Hallelujah. The, so that we become carriers of resurrection power that when somebody dies, we will have the confidence that no, this death is for the glory of God. I had a story of a, a family that were having a nice get-together one nice summer. And children were playing in the backyard and there was a pool. And I think a two or three-year-old fell into the, into the uh, uh, pool and died. I mean, like, when they noticed it, it, it had turned blue and there was no life in it. And so, it's like they are calling the 911 and everything. And a, a teenager who has understood and grown and developed herself in the powers of the age to come in the context of how death shall be no more. Because it's a question of progression of faith. Do you get it? I mean, most children will be afraid and crying. But this teenager came by and said, no, no, she, she assured the parents. He, she, she, she was a neighbor, a, a family friend. She said, she said, no need to cry. We have authority here. That's what she said. And then she laid her hands and raised the child from the dead. I saw it on YouTube. Amen. Right here in America. I'm talking about the powers of the age to come being given to some people to exercise now. Amen. Next verse. For every man in his own order cries the first fruits afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end. Look at it. He's talking about the end of the days. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Next verse. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is who? death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So it's still speaking about future. Amen. When Christ returns, he will silence death forever. But now, in the context of having tasted of the powers of the age to come, the power by which Christ is going to silence death forever, that power is also available today to the believer. That is why Smith Wigglesworth was able to raise up to 14 people from the dead. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is that all this is part of our Christian heritage. Do we want it? Do we want to enter into it? Do we want to believe God for it? So sometimes it may not be that somebody has to die first. Maybe before they die, if you believe in the power of a death, then before they die, you should begin to pray and re- rebuke the spirit of death. Hallelujah. Because, you see, often death is because there's a spirit of death. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus probably was, as it is believed in the Old Testament, the people that believed in Christ they believed they believed in God their faith was imputed to them for righteousness and not until Christ came they could not enter into the holy of holies in heaven because the blood has not yet been shed so it is believed that it's a place called Abraham's bosom which is where Lazarus went to amen so so Lazarus of course there are two Lazaruses in the in the in the bible that we know of both of them died amen one Jesus raised from the dead that we know of the other one went to Abraham's bosom so the one that Jesus raised from there in John, Gospel of John, when Jesus stood by the tomb four days after his death, Lazarus, his body was there, but his spirit was in Abraham's bosom in a place they call paradise. He's probably talking to Jephthah and Samson. He's probably talking to some of the Old Testament saints. He's probably playing Uno. 
And then, and then Jesus said, Lazarus! So he said, mm, I hear my name. Amen. I hear someone calling me. Then he wanted to ask Abraham, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. Jesus screamed again, Lazarus! We are talking about authority. We are talking about power. We are talking about someone responding to a voice. Finally, he said, boys, the master is calling me. I got to go. And then he packed, he said bye-bye to them. Uno can wait. Heavenly Uno can wait. And then he joined, he came back, he came back to himself. Hallelujah. Now, now look at it. That now Jesus himself is about to be crucified. The day, the day before he's crucified, the Bible said he did what? He, he did the last supper. He took the bread. He broke it. He shared with them and said, this is my body broken for you. Basically, he died before he died symbolically and spiritually and prophetically. He took the, the wine. He lifted it up. He said, this is my blood. Drink it. My blood had the share for the salvation of souls. Hallelujah. Did you know that that chalice, that cup that was used at the Last Supper is what we call the Holy Grail. Is that not so? The Holy Grail. I mean, in the English language, there's a, 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 it has become an expression. I mean, who, who does he think he, he is? The Holy Grail? It's like, it's like, it's used to describe the thing that is the epitome of every good thing. Hallelujah. And so, there is a story that people believe that that chalice that Christ used at the Last Supper, it is believed that at the, um, at the cross, John the Apostle or some of the other people, women had it. Amen. And they actually used it to also collect some of his blood. But the bottom line is that this is obviously not in the Bible, but this Holy Grail has become like a, a, a myth, a legend, a story around it that people believe that when you drink from it, you will never die. Amen. Have you not heard it? The Holy, they believe that when you drink from it, even if you are sick, you'll be recovered. And so that, so, but you realize that death is the thing that threatens mankind the most. So if people will kill or pay whatever they need to pay for, they will pay to get a cure for, for, for death. Is that not so? We are talking about the powers of the age to come. And so in the, in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, if you watched it, it was about finding the Holy Grail. Amen. <laughs> Dr. Jones, because Indiana Jones was Dr. Henry Jones, but his nickname was Indiana. And his father is also a Dr. Jones, senior. Amen. Which, is, which was played by Gene Hackman. So, people have been researching. They, they were both archaeologists and looking for the Holy Grail, whatever it is, because if you can find it, people will now pay big money to come and just drink from it and you will never die. Every sickness in you will go away. Hallelujah. And so, I, I will save you the details because time is going, but I will tell you because I'm interested in such things. So now, this is something you fight for. But everybody wants it. And now, this story is set during the time of the Second World War, around the time of the Nazis. So the Nazis are looking for the Holy Grail. Dr. Jones and his son, Dr. Jones, are also looking for the Holy Grail. These are researchers and archaeologists. And then there's this German um, researcher called Dr. Snyder, a lady, who is also looking for the Holy Grail. Everybody's looking for the Holy Grail, and they are willing to do anything that they can, including killing to get it. But Dr. Henry, Dr. Jones and Dr. Jones, Indiana Jones and his father, those are genuine people looking for the right reasons. Do you get it? Now, I mean, to summarize the, the movie, 
they had to travel to is it Prague or Prague? So a place in Europe where it is believed the Holy Grail was buried. But the Holy Grail, it, something like the Holy Grail, do you think it's going to be sitting uh, at a, what do you call it? A, this tall moss road, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> uh, uh, where they sell. Uh, 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 do you think they'll be selling at Saraga? No. It, you would have to go through a lot to get it. And so the Holy Grail was in an ancient castle from so many centuries ago, guarded by a monk that has been around for 700 years. But to find your way into the building, it takes a lot. Hallelujah. Amen. Why am I talking about the Holy Grail? Because it is supposed to be the cup that when you drink from it, you will never die. Symbolically, it is referring to the powers of the age to come. That death will be no more. Hallelujah. And so when one day, the, the, the Indiana Jones' father had been kidnapped by the Germans, who know that he has the key to the Holy Grail. Amen. And so he travels to go there, and finally is able to free his father. And now they are, the, the, and the father, through his research, had a diary. Okay, has a diary, and in the diary, through his research, the things that point to, or guidelines, or clues. To the Holy Grail, like Brother Francis, like a little bit like National Treasure, how that guy, Nicholas Cage, had information that other people didn't have. That are clues to get to the treasure. So Indiana Jones, the father had this diary, and the father gave him the diary. Hallelujah. So at a point, the Germans were able to separate him and his father. Okay. And they seized the diary, but he was able to, to tear a part of the diary that contained some clues. Amen. When they finally got to Indiana Jones and his father and some two other partners, got to the, the ancient castle that contained the grave. The Germans were already there. The Nazis were already there. And you know what? To go into the building, there are three tests you have to pass. As they were standing there, the first person, because the Nazis are not going to go themselves. They sent somebody they had captured. Go through this thing. Because if you don't do the, pass the test, you, your head will roll. Literally. <laughs> so as they were standing there, Indiana Jones and his father, to go through this door to go and get the Holy Grail, you have to go through these things. They saw somebody that they sent to go. He didn't come back, but his head came back by itself. And so <laughs> next week, I'll, next week, God will now tell you the test. But today, I just want to focus on the Holy Grail. So Indiana Jones told, and his father said, "Look, this thing." I know we've been fighting and researching and traveling and doing all, but this thing, the way I see it, we don't, we don't have to do it. So they were not willing to go. But the, Germ the Nazis knew that Indiana Jones was of the right heart. He probably knows something to get it. So, so if, because their whole goal was that we know Dr. Jones will be here. If he gets it, then we will see, the, see it from him. So when he said he's not going, you know what they did? They shot Dr. Jones Sr. They shot his father. And now he's bleeding. Now he's about to die. Now that he's about to die, do you now have a motive to go and get the Holy Grail? Yes, you better. You have a motive to go and get Because now your father is about to die. So even if you are afraid, you have to go. Hallelujah. He passed all three tests, which I'm not going to get into today. <laughs> Very powerful tests. But the thing I want to say, when they got to the place, there was a monk who had been there for over 700 years. And the monk 
the monk. And by the way, when Daniel Jones was able to get to the place, it paved the way for everybody following. All the German daughters and they all could come without any difficulty because he has cleared the way. Like Christ cleared the way for us. So now, you have, when they got there, there were so many cups. Each of them potentially can be the Holy Grail. And one German Nazi person, Dr. Shanada said, allow me to pick the Holy Grail. Because I am an ancient antiquities, uh, what, expert. Do you get it? And the, 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 the monk said, choose wisely. Amen. So the ancient antiquities expert picked a cup that you would think Christ as the king of kings would drink from. Do you get it? Like a royal looking cup. She picked it. And then there's this vase of water there. She fetched it. And this Nazi guy who Dr. Shinada is in cahoot with, they both won the grill for their own worldly fame. And the man, she, I wonder why she, Dr. Shanada didn't drink that thing herself. She gave it to the man because this man wants to be the first one to taste of the. So she, she and the doctor, Dr. Shanada, the man believed Dr. Shanada because she is an expert, a researcher, a, she, that's her specialty. Do you get it? <laughs> the man drank it and then she got, mm, she started feeling something. Mm, mm, mm. Then right before their eyes, all her flesh melted away. As it's like they picked the wrong <laughs> cup. So now it was the turn for Indiana Jones to pick the cup, the Holy Grail. So he started pacing up and down. Then he started saying, Jesus was a carpenter, a humble man. So the cup he would have used is most likely not going to be a glamorous cup. So he looked at the cups. About 20 or 30 cups sitting there. He picked the one that is most unassuming. And the monk said, you have picked wisely. So he took the cup, fed the water, and ran quickly and brought it to his father. And the father drank it. The blood flow ceased and he lived. That is the powers of the age to come. By God's grace, next week we shall continue on Indiana Jones and his adventures. <laughs> Stand up to your feet. All right, let's take an offering. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for all that you have given to us, the privileges. We pray, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, even as we give of our offering to you to promote your work and your kingdom. May we not get tired about hearing your promises. May, we, may it rather create a hunger in us to press in and to press on. That the devil will not succeed in discouraging us, but that we shall have our strength renewed. We pray, O oh God, that we shall taste of the powers of the age to come. And our donations would also promote the preaching of the powers of the age to come. In the name of Jesus. Amen.